This is the Living Vertizano podcast, brought to you by The Church at Riverstone, a fellowship of the Church of the Nazarene in Madera, California. Our episode today focuses on Matthew 20, 29 through 34, which examines Jesus' healing of the two blind men. Together, we will be discussing our responsibility to slow down and see the needs of the people around us. Hi, everybody. I'm Nick. I'm Natasha. I'm Brittany. I'm Derek. And we are the Living Vertizontal Podcast, back again with you this week to continue our journey through Matthew. Um, and uh, this week, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 20, verses 29 through 34, uh, which examine a, a healing situation. Uh, but just as a quick recap, last week, we worked through Matthew 20, 17 through 28, uh, where we examined Jesus's third prediction of his death and also an interaction uh, with James and John's mother and Jesus. And in the midst of that, we discussed our call to maintain a servant's heart and a servant's uh, mindset in life. Uh, this week, we're going to, like I said, move into Matthew 20, 29 through 34. And the healing story that we're going to be looking at is specifically the healing of the two blind men uh, while Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem. Uh, this week, I believe we have Derek reading for us. So Derek, would you read Matthew 20, 29 through 34? Yes. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered. We want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. All right. Thank you for reading that. Um, before we jump in to have a, a conversation on this passage, I just would like to bring in some some context pieces that might be um, pertinent to know. Uh, as a reminder, like I said, we, we uh, addressed the uh, third prediction of his death, uh, Jesus's third prediction of his death. And if you were to go back to verse 17, it says, now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem and on the way he took the 12 aside and said to them, so they are traveling to Jerusalem uh, as we remember from last week's episode. And this week's picks up where it says, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho. So again, we're still on our way to Jerusalem, now departing Jericho. And this is um, important because it, it sets the stage for where this scene is taking place. And that is, there's a, a road that they would be on that that is actually a pretty busy road at this point in time. Because if we think about um, the kind of the time frame at which Jesus and his disciples are heading towards Jerusalem, yes, it is ultimately for his uh, crucifixion, but it's also... The, the time of the Passover festival. And so there are a lot of people heading towards Jerusalem. And this would have been one of the roads that uh, a lot of the travelers were taking on their way to Jerusalem. And so having these two blind men on this road would, would be a good place for them to go as they were seeking out uh, money and, and support to survive. Um, 
And so with that in mind, let's jump in. Uh, what are you guys seeing? What are you guys thinking uh, as we look at this passage? So I think the first thing I notice is that there's these, as you mentioned, these two blind men sitting here on this heavily traveled road where they're expecting, okay, this is a good location for this right. particular time of year to uh, garner support. And these men um, are blind. And so they wouldn't have any sources of income or revenue. So this is essentially, this is their way of making it. This is their livelihood. And they, like many of the other people that Jesus has encountered throughout his ministry, are the outcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it was believed in biblical times that usually blindness or other ailments like this were the result of sin, either in the person's life who was blind or maybe the parents of that person. And so this was seen, they were seen as being unclean. Like this is, this is a punishment for some unrighteousness that has existed either in their life or the lives of their parents. And so really the, I guess the, the, the culture would have been essentially against them. Mm. Um, And so they would have been seen as lowly. They would have been seen as not of much value, not of much worse. Kind of the outcasts of society. But of course, we know that Jesus, in his upside down kingdom, he looks at them quite differently than what what the world would, would see when they look at them. And I think, again, we see, you know, there's there's all these people who are, are looking at Jesus, watching all the things he's doing, listening to his teachings, and they're still not fully grasping even that he is the Messiah, whatever whatever type of Messiah that is, whether a conquering king or or the Messiah that's going to conquer death. Um, but they're, they're not even seeing him as such. Like we, t- we talk and we harp on the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and we just came from conversations about these kind of elevated positions and how they're just missing who Jesus is. And yet here you have the outcast, the lowest of the low, um, the unrighteous, the unclean, who declare, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us, which their comment, son of David, tells us that they are aware this is the Messiah. This is this is the guy that's been prophesied about, that's going to come from the line of David that we know is going to bring salvation. Now, they may not fully grasp what type of salvation Jesus mm. is coming to bring, but they know that this, this Jesus is the prophesied Messiah. He's the one who's doing the miracles, and he's the one who has the ability to, to meet their every need. And so, again, I just... I see like Jesus just kind of in his ministry and in his teachings and everything he does is just emphasizing the the position that we our hearts have to assume in order to see clearly. And I think it's ironic here because they're blind, but yet they see so clearly. They're a great example of desperation. Like their their scenario is a great example of desperation because you know, they had to be super perceptive because they couldn't see. So they were listening better than you, you know, you or I would who have like all our senses. And so they, they're super perceptive to what's going on. This large crowd is gathered around Jesus. Like his ministry is still effective and they hear this commotion and like he could have been like, we don't know how far off he was, but in their desperation, they're yelling like, 
like son of David, have mercy on us. Like they recognize who he is, as you said, like Mm -hmm. they're able to hear what most of the people who have been following him and seeing what he has done are having a hard time doing. So like you can almost like visualize their desperation in this passage. I I think the the thing that came to mind is you guys were saying what you were saying is like we, we haven't even gotten to the miracle yet. And yet I feel like there is a miracle that has occurred because two blind men perceived that Christ was coming. Like that's a miracle in a sense, especially with it being such a, a crowded like road from a context perspective and having so many people traveling it. And then you know, on top of that, you know, Jesus being surrounded by a crowd, like they recognize that Jesus was in that crowd. And I think I, 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 this has never stood out to me before, but their boldness, it doesn't say they called to him. They shouted to him. Like they were bold and shouting out to Jesus, knowing who he was what he represented and what he could do. Um, and, and willing to face opposition. Yeah. Like from what, what they were going to face. Right. Yeah. Because they get rebuked and instead of like tucking tail and running or just being quiet and allowing the crowds to pass by, they shouted even louder. Like they, yeah, they shouted all the louder. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And so once again, we see this, like the people around Jesus, not fully getting it again, right? Like saying, hey, like you guys are a distraction to what's happening here. And they rebuke the the outsider coming up. Previously, it was his disciples rebuking the children that were trying, that were coming to Jesus and Jesus saying, no, 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 let them come to me. And here again, now we have, you know, the outcasts of society calling out to Jesus, the crowds rebuking them, basically saying, you're a distraction, you're in our way from where we're going and what we are trying to accomplish. And Jesus, being Jesus, responds to them. He doesn't continue to walk. He doesn't, you know, say, oh, you know what, I'm too busy. I have a mission that I'm on. He stops and he sees them. That's what I, when I was reading through it, that's what I thought about, about, you know, Jesus is going for a purpose. He knows that he's going. Right. Um, Palm Sunday is coming, then the cross and all the things that come with that. And he's going on a mission, but instead of just, you know, okay, I've got to go and got to get this done. He is still being sensitive to the things around him and not looking at things as they're a distraction um, as these men are calling or shouting, mm-hmm. um, but taking the time and having compassion. Um, I, I was, I got the opportunity to sit, um, with the kids on Sunday. And that's the one thing that they, every single one of them picked up on was compassion. Hmm. And that struck me because how many times do I have a mission and I go and go and go, but do I always have compassion on the person who interrupts me when I'm in the middle of a, in the middle of something? Do I always have compassion on the kid that's tugging at my, my shirt, wanting me to hold them when I'm trying to cook dinner? Um, I think Jesus has a really, um, it, it's giving us a great example of how we need to react to anybody that we encounter. I feel like it's a call to be observant to what's going on around us. Like, um, it's so easy to be like task oriented and go from A to B and miss everything that's going on around us. And Jesus, despite having a mission, 
he had the mission. He knew what the mission was, but he was still, as you said, Brittany, so like keenly aware of what was going on. And the compassion portion for me is like, we just came out of this, um, like recognizing that we have a call to be a servant. And it's like, Jesus is expanding, like, you know, another portion of what the kingdom of heaven is like in this not just not only do I want you to be a servant, but in your in your serving, I want you to have compassion. Because like, you know, mm. he said that he he didn't come to to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. And so in his in his serving, in his service to humanity, he also had compassion. I think for me, I tend to be very much like this. I am very, very much a task, not like Jesus, I guess. Got it. Yeah. (laughs) I tend to be very much not like Jesus in this issue um, or this matter of being willing to have my day interrupted. I'm very task oriented. I'm very focused and I am a checklist person. I have my things I need to accomplish. And when I get off of that, I get stressed. And then when I get stressed, like then then I look even less like Jesus. And so staying to my task and staying task oriented for me is the thing that kind of helps me to make sure that I don't enter into that stress zone, I guess. And I feel like as, as we're discussing this, as, as I contemplate uh, my own life, I feel like Jesus continually is reminding me of how he was willing to be interrupted. He, mm-hmm. he welcomed the interruptions. And I am just, this is a part for me that is just so counter to my flesh that I really have to battle to be like Jesus in this matter. And so I think it's something I just, I'm constantly praying and asking Jesus to give me his eyes for people and to slow down and, and notice and see what's around me. Because if we're going to you know, this big festival, a Passover festival, and I got my whole family going and we're going with Jesus. Like we are on a trip and I'm not looking for people who may be sitting at the side of the road who might need my help. I'm just not paying attention to them because my focus is on me and what we're about to enjoy. And so I, I think this is just an area where Jesus is really asking me to do do some growing and and continue to keep him at the forefront of my mind as I go about even the mundane tasks that I'm trying to accomplish, trusting that he will take care of the, the stress that results that we, we've learned. His provision is enough. If I feel like, well, I don't have enough time now because I allow myself to be interrupted. Well, Jesus can provide time just like he can provide a meal for 5,000, I'm sure. So in some miraculous way, he will, he will meet the need. And so I just, I think this is one of the areas where Jesus is challenging me to really, really trust him and to, to have his eyes to see like he sees. Yeah, I would, uh, I mean, true life confession just today. Um, you know, I, I was dealing with a, a, a few different things at the same time. Uh, Natasha, you were subbing to help out um, a friend of ours, and so I had uh, I had our youngest by myself, and he's been a little more difficult than uh, usual lately, and just kind of wanting more attention, uh, and so that makes it 
more challenging to get things done, but I was, I was still getting things done. And I had a few different phone calls with, um, some, some social workers that were trying to, to work with and, and, um, for families that were, were trying to help out. And there was just all this stuff going on in my mind while I was also trying to get some editing things done <laughs> as well. Um, and then I got a phone call from my mom and, um, it was while I was on the phone with somebody else. And so as soon as I got off the phone, I called her back and she was like, Hey, I just want to let you know. Um, I just got off of a, a video call with a, a group of ladies that I meet with. And, um, one of them heard about what you guys are doing and they were very encouraged and her and her husband want to give you and Natasha a call just to hear about it some more and, and ask questions and, and understand it better. And so I gave, I went ahead and gave them your phone number. I hope that's okay so that they can call you. And she said, she's going to call you. And my response was not, I, I would say not Christ-like. I, I got kind of frustrated. I didn't like lash out at my mom in, by any means, but I, I got very stressed because in the same way, I'm very task oriented and, and I need to be, I, I don't do well with interruptions. And I perceived this as an interruption to the plan that I had already had. And I already had a few interruptions that I wasn't planning on. And so this added to it just kind of was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I, I was like, mom, I just, I got a lot going on. Um, ho hopefully like Tosh isn't here right now. So hopefully they'll just call later when she is here and then it, it'll be better. And then I was like, thanks for letting me know. I'll talk to you later. And I got off the phone and walked away from that. And I was like, man, what is wrong with me? Like we have just talked about this passage. We've been thinking about this passage and I even felt like Jesus was impressing on me. I need to be ready and more okay with distractions and here I was being told that there are people who want to hear about what we're doing because they could use the encouragement. And I allowed it to get me flustered and frustrated. And it was because I was seeing my tasks and my plan rather than the people that God had played, that Jesus had placed in front of me. And so it was like an immediate like check. And so I called my mom back and I apologized to her and and explained to her that whole thing. Like she goes, there's no need to apologize. You weren't upset. Like you weren't rude to me, whatever. And I was like, no, no, no. I missed it though. I may not have been rude to you, but I missed it because I was more worried about my tasks than I was the people that you saw. And that has to change because as I, I, I could say as a pastor, but the truth is as a Christian, our job is not the tasks that we have before us. It is the people that he has placed in our life, plain and simple. Like our job is to keep our eyes focused on him and follow after him. And as we do that, care for those around us, right? When Jesus was speaking to Peter, which I'm kind of foreshadowing what's going to come in the future, when he was restoring Peter after Peter had denied him, he said, do you love me? So are you focused on me? Peter says, yes. And then Jesus says, okay, then feed my sheep, care for my sheep. So there is an action expected as you pursue me and follow after me. And I just, I, I, 
today was a day where I missed it. And I think this story continues to speak into and encourage, like, we've got to be less task-oriented and more people-focused as we walk this life with Jesus. So I feel like you guys have been saying we have to be less like the crowd. We have to be we have to be less like the crowd. We have to yes. be willing to be different. I feel like for me it's kind of the opposite though. Like I don't have a problem with being distract like if somebody comes and wants to talk like that's not a problem for me. Mm-hmm. The problem <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> the problem for me is 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 not always seeing it mm-hmm. and missing the person that needs the compassion. Um, mm-hmm. Not so much that it's A to B, but just like like a kid walking on the sidewalk looking up in the clouds. Like you're just like not really like, you know, life is happening down here and like I'm looking for something up, up in the sky or something like that. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it's amazing how we, you know, God creates us all differently and we can have a, a different perspective, but both are equally important because I feel like there's a lot of people that can resonate with both sides of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that, you know, I think that there's a lot we can take from even this short amount, like in our perspective and what our perspective is like. Mm-hmm. So I have a bit of a harrowing tale, um, in regards to this, um, Last week, well, week before last, we were, um, our hospital had um, CMS in the house. So that is the um, governing body that determines if we get paid or not. Um, and big. not a big deal. <laughs> um, they were there for two weeks, which is unheard of. Um, and it was a very stressful um, 15 days. Um, I, you know, I worked a lot of hours. I was running around all day long. Um, and a couple weeks ago, it was a Monday, and I passed by this nurse that normally um, talks to me and gives me a hug and asks me about my family. Just very like we 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 have a pretty good relationship, and we always chit chat a little bit um, throughout the day. And that particular day, she was running around, and um, I noticed, and I was like, ah, oh, like she must be having a busy day. That was my assumption: is she's just really busy today. Um, but I knew something wasn't right. And I just chalked it up to, it's a busy day. We have a lot of patients. We have visitors in the house. Like things, things are crazy. Um, it did not take very long to realize that I was very wrong. Um, a few days later, um, she, she needed, she needed me. Um, she needed, um, she needed a break. She was burnt out. She had had too much. Um, she was ready to change professions altogether. And, um, I look back at that and I think if I had not been so busy running around and doing things that were good, the things that I was doing were important things. Um, but not the most important thing. Mm -hmm. The most important thing was I was, I, I truly believe that my purpose in my job is to care for the ones that I that I manage and I saw something and I just walked by and I've been, Jesus has been working with me the past couple of weeks about this and, and I, I didn't see it. Um, 
on Sunday, but I, Jesus, I see it now, um, that I just need to continuously look for that, to pay attention to what's going on around me. Like Derek said, not just, not just going through life with my head up in the clouds, but to purposely look and pay attention. And when I see something to say something, um, because it's easy to ration things out in your head, you know, okay. So they're, um, they've got a heavy patient load today or, um, you know, it's their third day in a row. Like that's a lot. Um, but really it comes down to, if you see something, you need to say something. And, um, Jesus, I just want to tell you, I'm sorry. And I've already apologized to um, my employee and told her that I was sorry. Um, but help me to see, help me to see people, not tasks and not the things that are good, but the things that are not the most important thing. Mm -hmm. As you were saying that, I, I was just thinking, um, Jesus help me to see like I'm deaf. And, um, yeah, or help me to hear like I'm, I'm blind. Um, because that's really how we're going to make a difference. Um, if we live like we, we are like one of our senses is gone. We're always living like that. Like we can't see or we can't hear Then We're always going to be able to, with the help of the Holy spirit, we're always going to be able to see and hear what we need to hear. So as Jesus sees them, as he stops, is willing to be interrupted and, and sees them, he responds to them and says, what do you want me to do for you? And uh, one of the conversations that was had at our table group was that in this moment, I mean, Jesus knows, right? He knows, he knows the monetary need. He knows the greater need of their sight. He knows exactly what's on their heart when they when yeah, he they're calling their thoughts. out. To I mean, them. we know yeah. that from earlier on in Scripture that he knows their thoughts. So, but this question, I think, is more to encourage their boldness. And so, at our table, we ha we had talked about how Jesus desires that when we come to him with our requests, that we be bold and we be specific. And I think about the times that we have prayed and talked to Jesus specifically about stuff, uh, particularly things that we are believing him for. And I feel like when we're specific in our beliefs, the sp specific in the things that we are expecting him to do and him to accomplish, um, we see incredible things result from that expectation and from that belief. And so I think that in this... The, there's this call where Jesus is trying to, to demonstrate to them, Hey, be bold. What is it that you want? Be specific. Tell me not just have mercy on you specifically. What is it that you want? And I think that's a reminder for how we ought pray, how we ought converse and be in conversation with Jesus. I feel like even as you say that, um, they called out, have mercy on us. And then he says, be specific. What? And so the thought that came through my, to my mind is, so it's almost as if Jesus is saying, and what does that look like then for me to have mercy on you? And their response is, let us see. Like that's mercy. And it's mercy because 
it it doesn't just take care of the immediate need. I mean, it it takes care of the immediate need because it takes care of the greater need in their life because it's it's actually this blindness that has put them out of their communities, put them out of their families. And it's also mercy if they believe this reality that they mm. are blind because of their sin or the sin of their parents. Oh, so then that good. would really be, you know, in I, in either case, this mercy is is deeply desired and they right. would see it as a big, big debt. Right. So it, it's so a moment those, of restoration. So those around them, it's going to look like they're being physically healed and spiritually healed. Yeah. So now in receiving their sight, they have the opportunity to be restored back to everything like family, community, jobs, um, and, and they have basically everything before them now. And they have all of their options open to them, right? They, they, they have everything on the table. And the mind-blowing thing is their response, having received their sight, is simple. They follow. They get up and they follow Jesus. So one thing that I, I found interesting in my study time, I didn't have the uh, privilege to sit around the table Sunday. I was sitting with some sick kids. But uh, one thing that I found in my study time, that this healing is the last one that's recorded in Matthew. And so I found that ironic because I, I feel like there's a lot of symbolism in what takes place here. Mm. Like, um, you know, they're, they're seeking... He's coming in compassion. We just got done talking about serving, and now he's coming in compassion, and he's healing. He brings physical and spiritual healing, and what he's getting ready to do is going to bring, well, it's it's going to bring spiritual healing to our lives, Mm -hmm. and it's going to cause him to, well, it's going to cost him everything. And so he just talked about, just came out of this serving about this, you know, this whole understanding what it means to serve. And talking about how his life is going to be a ransom for many. And we we have this kind of, you know, this nice segue into what is getting ready to happen, that, that he heals them. And he is really going to not just heal them physically, but in a few, in a few days, he's going to be their spiritual healing. And even though like they symbolically in front of their, their community, um, had both this physical and spiritual healing that we talked about. That's that's the same thing that's going to come. There's going to be a a spiritual healing for humanity, and so I, I don't know. I just felt like it was a, a, a an interesting segue as this is the last the last healing that takes place, and he's like laid it out so well, like to serve and have compassion and what that serving means, and that it will bring healing that that our serving can bring healing to others. Like we can't bring the healing ourselves, but God uses us to help bring the healing to others. And if our head's in the clouds or we're not making time or we're rebuking people, then we're potentially squashing someone's healing. And I think it's a, you know, like looking at it as a whole, it's, it's Jesus bringing attention to the fact that if you want to see healing, if you want to see people healed forever, and I don't mean physically, but I know that God can do that. But if you want to see healing take place, serve and make time. And don't try to just, you know, shed people off like you're, uh, 
what what's that stuff you put on your windshield? Rain X. So don't try to just shed people off like your Rain X, but to make time and be attentive and be aware. And I don't think that the 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 sight is coincidental Mm-mm. because there's so many walking around blind. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to heal the blindness that's taking place. And so I just think that, that it's been laid out so well. A healing before, you know, his death would come and take place and, and his resurrection. But I just found it interesting. I was I was thinking how appropriate is it that the final healing, the, the final miracle is a restoration that results in the ability for people to see clearly, to understand. And like you were saying, you know, when, when Jesus ultimately dies on the cross, like that, that does lead. I mean, you, when you read into Acts and, and kind of the turn that takes place because people begin to really grasp and fully understand what exactly this Jesus was saying all along, like that miracle of the, the resurrection of Jesus resulted in, in people being able to see clearly. And so how appropriate that the last miracle that he performs before going to the cross is one that results in in the ability to see. And I think their response, as you mentioned before, Nick, that they followed him. Right. That's, I mean, that's the key, right? If we will, if we will do these things, if we will slow down, if we will see people, if we will be obedient to the spirit, if we will engage them, if we will meet their needs, if we'll serve them, they will encounter him. They will be given sight and then they will follow. And this is evangelism. Be sure to follow the Living Vertizano podcast to stay current on all our new releases. To learn more about The Church at Riverstone, visit us at thechurchatriverstone.org.